What's going on, everyone? I hope everyone's having a wonderful day today. I want to welcome everyone to the Path to Righteousness podcast. We have something really interesting we want to talk about regarding this whole current virus situation that's going on. So let's get started. I just want to say that we are not no experts. We're just someone who reads what the experts have to say. We're going to try and tell everyone every article or study we're referring to so you can go and research it for yourself. This is a worldwide issue, so the studies are from around the world. I recommend you use DuckDuckGo because the censorship is real on these big tech platforms. We're talking doctors, scientists, Nobel Prize winners being censored just because they're going against the narrative. I know a lot of people say trust the science, but it's kind of hard to trust the science when you're only seeing one side. We're not going to be able to go through this full document, so I just want to let people know that we can send you this document. We're not just going to talk problems. I like to focus on the solutions, so I'm going to give some plus talk about the good people finding a good fight. Um, some of those people include Dr. Govinda Corgill, Randy Hillier, Rocco Galati, Dr. Tommy John, his podcast. I want to thank them. These are the people I found in the beginning of this, and they were, you know, sharing some of the truths and uh, sharing some of the stuff going on. Um, please uh, use your intuition and ask yourself what feels right. We're not here to argue with anyone. We just want to, you know, get people to question what's going on. So the first thing we're going to start with is the uh, survival rate. I think most people know it, but just in case you don't, it's 99.95% for anyone below 70 and above 70 goes to about 94.6%. This can be found on the CDC's website and on the AWHO bulletin titled Infection Fatality Rate of COVID-19. Now, when you bring up the fatality or the survival rate, most people want to talk about the long-term effects. So again, on the CDC's website, long-term effects of COVID-19. Um, most common symptoms include fatigue, shortness of breath, cough, joint pain, chest pain, which sound like common symptoms for any sort of um, disease. Other reported symptoms include brain fog and depression. This is where I got to pose my first question. Are those the symptoms of COVID or are those the symptoms of these lockdowns? Um, now, we've been living with this virus for over a year now. So we know somewhat of the long-term effects of COVID. So this is where I got to pose my next question is, if, if we're so concerned with the long-term effects of COVID, why aren't we concerned with the long-term effects of this vaccine? Because in reality, the trials are not meant to be done in, until um, 2022, 2023, all depending on the manufacturer. So um, something to really, I guess, question. Um, something else I want to mention is that this was the first year where people sat around and were told how many people died this year. If you were to tell, ask anybody any, any other year, hey, how many people died this year, they would never be able to tell you. Um, so that's just something to keep in mind as we go through this. Um, next, we're going to talk about, this is probably the most important part, uh, PCR test, definition of a case, and definition of a death. Once you understand this, you will understand most of what's going on and why um, some of this stuff is so sketchy. But first things first, <clears throat> what is PCR? This can be found on Science Learning Hub. Uh, it is a technique used to amplify a segment of DNA of interest or produce lots and lots of copies. Uh, Dr. Michael Yeadon on a document called Lies, Damned Lies, and Health Statistics, The Deadly Danger of False Positives literally said in this article, it's about the testing we do with something called PCR, an amplification technique, better to known to biologists as a research tool used in our labs when trying to unpick mechanisms of disease. I was frankly astonished to realize they're sometimes used in population screening for diseases. Astonished because it's a very exacting technique, prone to invisible errors, and it's quite a tall order to get reliable information out of it. And then he continues on and says, this test cannot distinguish between a living virus and a short strand of RNA from a virus which broke into pieces weeks or months ago or a dead virus. 
uh, Dr. Kerry Mullis, the actual inventor of the PCR. There's a video you can find of him on bitchu.com where he's talking about HIV and AIDS. Somebody asked him about PCR and he said, with PCR, if you do it well enough, you can find almost anything in anybody. It PCR doesn't tell you that you're sick and it doesn't tell you if the thing you ended up with was going to hurt you. Now, so this is a diagnostic, diagnosing tool, not, sorry, this is a research tool, not a diagnosing tool. So now, of course, the next question is, why did we use it? Um, this can be found on PubMed, detection of 2019 novel coronavirus. Basically, these doctors, they came, they tested people in um, Wuhan, and they said, oh, hey, look, we found coronavirus. This is what we're going to use to test the coronavirus. Um, a couple months, a few months later, in November, um, a bunch of doctors and scientists came and actually reviewed that study. And I think the study's title says it all. External peer review of RT-PCR to, to test to detect SARS-CoV-2 reveals 10 major scientific flaws. So they found 10 flaws with the PCR itself and the actual study. Um, the most important being was the number of amplification cycles, less than 35, preferably 25, 30. So if someone is tested by PCR as positive when a threshold of 35 cycles or higher is used, as in the case in most laboratories in Europe and the US, and Canada, the probability that said person is actually infected is less than 3%. The probability that said result is a false positive is 97%. So that makes a lot of sense. You know, when you when you when you used to ask your friends back and they're like, hey, how was your experience with COVID? Most of them would say, oh, I actually didn't have anything, not that I didn't feel anything. That they might have been most likely a, a false positive. Another thing they found was the paper was not peer reviewed. Um, it was literally put together, published, and apparently peer reviewed within like a week. A few days I think um, and for anyone who doesn't know peer review takes like months next they also found that the authors were also the editors Christian Dawson and Chantal Ruskin um, Christian Dawson himself is actually works for the WHO so there's a major conflict of interest right there speaking of the WHO they literally published a bulletin recently called nucleic acid screening technologies that use PCR in which they literally said that one the thresholds are being set too high causing false positives a positive test does not mean someone can infect another person and avoid relying on a single test when someone is not showing symptoms. Now, I threw out a bunch of numbers there. Now, just to explain some of this. So basically, PCR is a research tool, not for diagnosing. Let's say you swab somebody, uh, you swab the nose, you get something on the swab, uh, a speck of dust and a dead virus. Now you put that into the PCR test and they set it to 35 amplification cycles. What does amplify mean? Amplify means to blow something up to make something bigger. So now, all of a sudden, that speck of dust and dead virus is huge because it's been amplified 35 times. But it didn't mean anything before it was amplified and it doesn't mean anything after because it's a dead virus and a speck of dust. So that's just something to keep in mind about the PCR test. Now, of course, people are probably wondering, okay, so what about my state, county, province, territory? What are they using? This can be found on, pop we're in from Ontario. So Public Health Ontario, SARS-CoV-2 variant of concern. As of March 22nd, 20, uh, as of March 22nd, uh, 2021, all PCR specimens with a CT value of 35 for this new mutation, apparently. Um, so that's that. Um, there was an article published on the Off Guardian called Portuguese Court Rules PCR Tests Unreliable and Quarantines Unlawful. So this is where I got to pose my next question, which is, this is a worldwide issue. Most of the stuff we're using and the techniques and the tests used are universal. So why is it that one city or country can say something is unreliable and unlawful and other places can continue and go along with it? Um, next, briefly.co, 
COVID-19 papa and goat test positive for virus. The president of Tanzania, God bless him, he passed away recently. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a variety of animals, fruits, and vehicle oils tested secretly, and he found that they all tested positive for the virus. So something to just uh, keep in mind, like what's going on here. Um, next, you can find this on the Government of Health website, Ontario, case definition. I recommend people read through this PDF document, five-page document. They have three cases definitions. One. A, a probable case, B, a confirmed case, and C, a confirmed case of reinfection. You read through this and you'll find that, hey, cases do not equal infection. And of course, the most questionable is number C, confirmed case of reinfection, because it literally says if somebody has antibodies to SARS-CoV-2, they can be tested positive, which is questionable because antibodies literally protect us against viruses. So how can how can somebody be testing positive for a virus with that? Um, now, this is one of those scenarios where I know a guy, but one of my uh friends his cousin went to go for a pcr test he went in uh got in line realized the line was too long and he had to go to work he came back home and a few days later he still gets a call saying he his test came back positive he, and he tried telling the nurse that he never got tested so that's a questionable scenario i remember i was posting about this stuff on my instagram a few people reached out to me too specifically and they told me how they actually had to change the death certificates of their family members because they they labeled it as a covid death when they weren't a covid death and this can be further confirmed. This was initially published on Collective Evolution. Ontario, Canada admits lab, uh, admits labeling deaths as COVID when they're not a result of COVID. It literally leads you to the Government of Ontario website. How is Canada responding to COVID-19? You scroll down to the daily summary cases and then you go down to total number of deaths. And it leads you to footnote 7. These footnotes are important because they give you a lot of information. But literally footnote 7, it says right here, deaths are included whether or not COVID-19 was determined to be contributing or underlying cause of death so basically someone dies of a heart attack someone dies in a car accident if they tested positive for covid it's a covid death uh the uk and the us if someone had tested positive for covid within uh in and dies within 28 days even if it's not a covid death there's still a covid death um next stuff that's really questionable all of a sudden the flu is missing um, this is published on the CBC. With only four confirmed cases in the province, Quebec halts flu vaccine campaign. Dr. Aruda literally says, at this point, there is no flu in Quebec. If you have symptoms similar to the flu, it's probably COVID-19. Which is interesting because the CBC itself, back in 2012, published an article called Flu Deaths Reality Check, where they literally said, every year between 2,000 and 8,000 Canadians die due to the flu and its complications. Uh, this can be further confirmed on the Government of Canada website, weekly influenza reports. I literally found this on week 43 of 2020, so that's where I'm going to be going. Um, literally, you scroll down, it says right here, two laboratory detections of influenza reported, 7,700 tests for influenza were performed, which is two times higher than the average for this week over the past six seasons. The percentage of tests positive for influenza in week 43 was 0.02%, compared to 2.8% during the past six seasons. To date this season, five influenza detections have been reported, which is significantly lower than the past six seasons, where on an average of 434 influenza detections were reported between weeks 35 and 43. So that right there is a PCR definition of death and definition of the case. Yeah, I just want to add that even after like 30 years, like if you look at the death rates of, you know, of cancer and heart, heart disease have also gone down in just one year. Yep. And that can be actually further confirmed. We're going to get into that. Um, but first thing, what are they doing with these PCR tests, right? They're making cases. And then what are they doing with the cases? They're locking us down. Um, so here's a document I'm going to lead everyone to. It's on the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedom, Flying Blind. 
uh, government data shows lockdowns do more harm than COVID-19. Um, but first things first, in this flying blind document, which is 101 pages, first question, of course, to answer is, why did we lock down initially, right? We locked down due to initial model. So Dr. Neil Ferguson in the UK literally said that millions and millions of people are going to die from COVID-19. The scientists found that his model was completely flawed. He himself came out a few weeks later and said, you know what, this wasn't as serious as I thought. This isn't going to kill as many people as I thought, sorry. Um, but by then, the damage had already been done. Um, and now let's, of course, look at um, let's look at what he said. Millions and millions of people are going to die from this. Let's look at the data. This is straight from Stats Canada. Um, January to August, eight month total. In 2018, 186,825 people died. In 2019, 190,300 people died. And in 2020, 186,690 people died. So that right there, did um, millions of deaths happen? No. Of course, super grateful that it didn't. Um, the Global News literally published this um, article recently. Canada saw over 13,000 access deaths during the first year of COVID. Not due to COVID, if you read the article and not the headline, actually due to the measures. And next, what we just said right now was um, how debts are being labeled differently. Um, literally, 2020, 26,745. This is from uh, January to July. 26,745 people died of heart disease. Uh, 31,070 in 2019. Uh, 3,750 people died in 2020 of the flu for the first uh, seven months right there. And in 2019, 4,515. Um, and of course, this year COVID is up and everything else is down. And that seems to be the case for almost every country out there. Um, everything else is down. COVID is up. So roughly, how, like, what, like, what's, what's, like, what's the difference of the amount of people that passed away from 2019 to 2020? Uh, so 13,000 access. 13,000. So okay. about 13,000 access deaths. Um, and again, not due to COVID. Okay. So. Okay, so if this is a, a real, you know, uh, pandemic, you know, we should be all dropping like flies, no? Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> exactly. like 13,000 excess deaths. And that's, of course, that's where we should be grateful that that didn't happen. And of course, that's where that uh, Neil Ferguson, his models were totally off, right? Um, and uh, we should be looking at the facts and not just relying on false models. Um, now, right. of course... What are the harms of lockdowns, right? Once you start talking about the harms of lockdowns, you could just keep going on and on, but we're just going to go through a few. Um, we're just we're just waiting until it's going to end. Yeah. <laughs> but literally... When is it going to end, though? That's the thing. Hopefully soon. Um, 2019, we had 803,175 businesses. That dropped to 696,000 in May of 2020. Went up to 712,115 in July. January 2021, I remember that number has increased even more. I think even 100,000 more or less businesses. Um, now, businesses being shut down means um, unemployment, of course. So unemployment, if we look at unemployment, this was a statement from Stats Canada. It literally said uh, the magnitude of decline in unemployment in Canada since February, negative 15.7%, far exceeds declines observed in previous labor market downturns. For example, the 1981-1982 recession resulted in a total employment decline of negative 5.4% over approximately 17 months. So, when compared to the most significant recession since the 1930s, Canada lost nearly 300% more jobs in approximately one-sixth of the time. Something that's just crazy, crazy wow. stuff. Um, other things, fewer surgeries are being performed. So, literally, um, literally we have in between... 
April, when comparing April 2019 and April 2020, 38% fewer cancer surgeries, 73% fewer vascular surgeries, 81% fewer transplant surgeries, and so on and so forth. And of course, fewer MRI scans being done. So when you put those two things together, that's what you call future loss of life. Because there's people walking around there who have cancer who can't, mm. who either know or don't know and they can't do anything about it. Um, next, suicides. Of course, I said the access deaths, 13,000 access deaths before. Um, so something to keep in mind. But on average, they say about 4,000 Canadians commit suicide um, every year. That number is 100% because not everyone likes to say um, their family member committed suicide. There's a study done pre-COVID at the University of Calgary um, that said a one percentage point increase in unemployment rate increases the suicide rate by 2.1%. So if you look at Canada's 8.1% in unemployment rate, multiply that by 2.1%, you're looking at a, maybe a possible 17% increase in suicide rate. Um, of course, unemployment isn't the only reason why people commit suicide. Um, drug overdose. We already had an opioid crisis in Canada um, before this pandemic. Um, but in BC, between January and August, 1,068 people died of opioid poisoning, a 51.9% increase. Alberta, between January and June, a 47.2% increase. And in Ontario, between March and May, a 25% increase in suspected drug-related deaths. Um, now, our elderly are still suffering, of course. Um, what are we teaching our kids? Is this the only way to fight the vi a virus? Uh, the economy is an obvious one. Uh, domestic abuse is up, child abuse is up, mental health issues, of course, um, poverty. I remember seeing an article due to the developed world's lockdowns, the undeveloped world is majorly affected. They're saying about 10K kids possibly suffering from um, starvation, possibly dying as well. Um, very, so very, very questionable stuff. Now, of course, we locked down to protect our elderly, right? So did we actually protect our elderly? This can be found on Public Relations Canada. 98% of deaths in Canada were in a long-term care home. This was initially published on CTV, but they took it down. And but of course, the good people on the internet screenshot it and put it together. Um, but at that time in November, 10,953 uh, Canadian deaths had happened. 10,781 of them came from a long-term care home. Uh, as of most recent, that number is 96%. So 96% of deaths have come from long-term care home due to COVID. Yep. So do we actually protect our elderly? I don't really think so. No. Um, now that's just Canada, of course. Um, so what about the rest of the world? Um, this can be found on the American Institute for Economic Research. Experience from other countries show lockdowns don't work. Uh, the United States has turned a manageable disease into a catastrophe. Not only does it possess one of the largest number of deaths, but the economic lockdown policies led to a 32.9% drop in real GDP. This is in stark contrast to Taiwan, whose quarter two real GDP dropped only 0.73% while never instituting draconian lockdown measures, as well as having the fewest number of deaths and cases. Then they continue on to um, talk about Sweden, um, South Korea, and Japan, who also did not have draconian lockdowns, and they compare them to Italy and the UK. Now, I know a lot of people were saying, oh, hey, if we want a lockdown, we should have locked down tough straight from the beginning. This was literally published on the dossier. The world's toughest lockdown has resulted in the world's highest COVID-19 death toll. Peru was once a success story. They had military curfew, double masking, some extreme social distancing straight from the beginning. And that right there shows that that doesn't work either. And I hope, I just want to let people know, this is the first time we've ever been locked out in human history. This was literally an experiment. We've never been locked out before for anything, um, for a virus especially, sorry. <clears throat> 
Now, this was published on Online Library, Assessing Mandatory Stay-at-Home and Business Closure Effects on the Spread of COVID-19. They found that implementing any non-pharmaceutical intervention was associated with significant reductions in case growth, but they found no clear significant beneficial effect of more restrictive non-pharmaceutical intervention on case growth in any country. More restrictive non-pharmaceutical intervention includes business closures, school closures, um, and I'm going to say social distancing, of course. Um, the WHO themselves came out in October. Um, a spokesperson spoke to the spectator and said that the only time we believe that a lockdown is justified is to buy you time to reorganize, regroup, rebalance your resources, protect your healthcare workers who are exhausted, but by and large, we'd rather not do it. Of course, everyone has to back away from their statements as soon as they start seeing you know, the devastating effects. Um, now, we got to move on to something else, but if you want to see more articles, I recommend you check out our site, thefatemperor.com, publish papers and data on lockdown weak efficacy and lockdown huge harms. Literally 40 plus papers on that type of stuff. Now we're going to move on and talk about something else that isn't as effective as people think. Let's talk about masks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the fun stuff. Yeah. Um, now, the thing about masks is I thought I wasn't going to find much. Oh, wait, so hold on. Sorry to interrupt you, man. Uh, you're not wearing a mask right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Neither are we distancing. Yeah. <laughs> now, I thought I wasn't going to find much, but... I ended up finding a lot. Uh, just because they were worn before doesn't mean it was working. Um, I'm going to bring up a few points because the major thing I want people to know is that masks are voluntary and I believe it is unethical to be telling a healthy population that they're sick and they need to mask up. Now most people of course will say, oh you don't wear it for you, you wear it for others. And I think Dr. Christiana Northup said an amazing point. She said, okay if that's the case, how about you go to the gym to make me fit? It doesn't work that way, you know what I mean? And I hope people realize when you cough or sneeze, these particles jump about 16 to 20 feet, even with a mask on, but they only tell us the social distance to five or six meters. Why is that? And Not why even is, meters, feet. Or feet, sorry, yeah. And why is it that they, and why is that different for each province and territory? Well, if you ask Dr. Bonnie Henry that question, BC's chief medical of health, she literally said that this isn't based on science or medicine. And I remember when I saw that video, I was like, so what's the point of doing this then? Um, and of course, who sneezes in people's faces? Like, let's be honest here. <laughs> And now, of course, when you say this type of stuff, people are going to call you an anti-masker. I think Chris Guy said the best. There is no such thing as anti-mask. You weren't born with a mask on. You're not going to wear one after this whole scenario. We never wore one before. It's called being normal, being a human. Um, yeah, so people need to take it easy with the masks. Like, I understand, okay, yeah, there's policy. When you walk in a store, you have to wear a mask. But when you're outside alone, right, you're breathing that fresh air, like, come on. like Especially people alone in their cars. That's like... <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Uh, no. <laughs> Okay, so I'm gonna, <laughs> we're gonna go. I'm gonna refer everyone to a site, uh, themodelhealthshow.com forward slash mask facts. Sean Stevenson, he put together two videos one on the history of masks and second on how effective masks are. I recommend people watch both and judge for yourself. Like he says halfway through the second video, he wants there to be something that tells him that masks work because we're given these orders, some people face fines, a lot of people are being assaulted by other people for not wearing one. Now, these studies I'm about to bring up show that masks aren't effective. Excuse me. But like Sean says in the video, due to the current political environment, these researchers, these researchers still add a disclaimer saying masks are suggested or recommended. Now, the first study I want to bring up is the Lancet study. This is a study I think everyone was referring to in the beginning. 172 observational studies put together called physical distancing, face mask, and eye protection to prevent person-to-person -person transmission of SARS-CoV-2. Um, this was a study everyone was referring to, but literally this study has not been updated. Published June 1st, 2020. Second paragraph of the introduction, they literally contradict everything they've been telling us. 
it says SARS-CoV-2 spreads person-to-person through close contact and causes COVID-19. It has not been solved if SARS-CoV-2 might spread through aerosols from respiratory droplets so far. Air sampling has found virus RNA in some studies, but not in others. So we're going to go through those studies right now. Um, Literally the first study that they referenced um, on the CDC, it literally said that the the rate of positivity was relatively high for floor swab samples in the ICU in the general ward, perhaps because of the gravity and airflow causing most virus droplets to float to the ground. Um, they also found that the pharmacy floor was also positive, even though there was no people there, but they found that it was due to the staff walking around and their soles of their medical staff shoes were actually testing positive. Um, this study also found that the virus was widely distributed on floors, computer mice, trash cans, and sick bed handbread rails. More on those than in the air. The next study they referenced literally um, said they literally collected air samples at a distance of 10 centimeters from a patient's shin with or without wearing a surgical mask. SARS-CoV-2 was identified in one of the 13 environmental samples, but not in eight air samples. The next study they referenced literally in the conclusion, it says, um, our findings suggest that SARS-CoV-2 is not spread by an airborne route and nosocomial transmissions can be prevented through vigilant basic infection control measures. Um, now, I believe set, um, reference number 31 in that Lancet study, literally in the study it says, compared to no masks, there was no reduction of influenza-like illness or influenza for masks in the general population, nor in healthcare workers. There was no difference between surgical masks and N95 respirators. Uh, one thing I want to let people know is that these viruses are super, super tiny. Like we're talking 60 nanometers, like these cloth masks and surgical masks, they don't have that ability. Like if you if you need to wear a mask, you need to wear one of those heavy duty ones, you know, one stuff that they wear in the body shop, stuff that some people wear when they're spraying pesticides, like like super, super heavy duty stuff because yeah. these other things aren't really helping. Yeah, not those masks, you know, that have flowers on or whatever, yeah. you know, your favorite rock man or whatnot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the ones that they design nowadays. Um, now this study, which was done in 2009, surgical masks versus N95 respirators, um, they literally wanted to test in a hospital that, hey, can we use surgical masks? Because N95 masks during um, flu season run out really quick. So they had 225 people in the surgical mask group, 221 in the N95 mask group. Fit influenza infection occurred in 50 nurses in the surgical mask group and 48 in the N95 mask group. Not much of a difference there. Um, this was published in the BMJ, a cluster randomized trial of cloth masks compared with medical masks in healthcare workers, published in 2015. They literally said an analysis by mask use showed influenza-like illness and laboratory-confirmed virus were significantly higher in the cloth mask group compared with the medical mask group. Penetration of cloth masks by particles was almost 97% and medical masks 44%. So these cloth masks are 97% penetrable, medical masks 44, and cloth masks are the ones that they recommend everyone nowadays. Um, but, any, but yeah, again, due to the current political environment, they literally said that, but they still put a disclaimer there to say, hey, we still recommend masks. Even though they confirmed it, that they're that they're not effective, still recommend it. And, and another thing to think about is that, you know, when they uh, made these masks mandatory, you know, they said these masks would protect us, but the cases and the numbers still kept going up for COVID. Yep. So, you know, that's something to think about. If these masks really protect us, then why are we still going through this whole COVID situation? Yep, something, <laughs> yeah, something really. And something I want to mention about the medical mask is they're actually sprayed or coated with PTFEs. Recently, a lot of people are talking about how they're all, those are cancer-causing, of course. 
Um, so, I, you know, I know a lot of people who wear those medical masks who like, you know, have headaches or, you know, get acne. Now that's part of it, of course. And then, you know, cancer is the dangerous one. Um, now I have a few smaller studies here um, on PubMed done in 2009, 2010. Surgical masks to prevent influenza transmission and use of surgical face masks to reduce the incidence of the common cold. Literally small studies. They were at, and they're asking, hey, we're not seeing no beneficial effect of these masks. Could we get a bigger research, bigger uh, study done? Now, one thing that they did find was what was effective was personal hygiene, right? Like well, washing your hands. Now, of course, when I bring up personal hygiene, a lot of people think hand sanitizers and you know surface disinfectants. Literally on the Government of Canada website, it literally says, to date, there's no hand sanitizer in Canada approved with COVID-19 related claims. And if you go on their recalls website, there's currently about 151, yep, 151 hand sanitizers on recall. So when I mean personal hygiene, I mean washing your hands with water and some good soap that doesn't you know kill the bacteria in your hands. Because just like allopathic medicine, uh, these um, hand sanitizers, they can't distinguish between good and bad bacteria. Now, mm. that's probably the studies I've got from Sean, but at the end of the video, he hammered quite a few points home. He said, the number one risk factor for COVID is having a pre-existing chronic disease like obesity, type 2 diabetes, and hypertension. So he asked an important question. What have we done to reduce the risk factors? Nothing. They're just giving people an illusion that these things can help. We literally have to help ourselves, take care of ourselves, learn these things ourselves because pharma is a big business. They don't care for people's health. They only care about the money being made, unfortunately. Um, now, here's a study that was um, big in um, American media recently, recently published by the CDC called Association of State-Issued Mask Mandates and Allowing On-Premises Restaurant Dining. Every like Almost every single mask media site was saying, oh, hey, right here, this is a site that proves that, oh, mask work, mask work. If your favorite media site uses this article, you, you need to know that they definitely did not look through the data because it literally says right here, mask mandates were associated with a 0.5 percentage point decrease in COVID-19 case growth, one to 20 days. And the highest percentage decrease it saw was 1.8%, 1.8% max. Like, and these mask media sites were using like, oh, this is the one, this is the one. And I feel like everything is so backwards nowadays. A 1 point percentage point decrease in cases, yet this virus has a 99.95% survival rate, but that isn't on mass media, but this is. This very, very That's pertinent. something to think about. No, yeah. honestly, yeah. Um, next, a study done in Denmark during the pandemic in April and May, um, effectiveness of adding a mass recommendation to other public health measures. 4,862 people were completed the study 42 participants in the mask group got SARS-CoV-2 and 53 in the control group meaning the ones who did not wear masks something to really think about folks are those masks really helping um, this was published on research square corona children's studies um, there's a registry put up 25,930 kids were entered they wore masks for about four hours per day Impairments caused by wearing a mask were reported by 68% of parents, which include irritability, 60%, headache, 53%, difficulty concentrating, 50%, less happiness, 49%, and so on and so forth. Literally, kids are the least affected by COVID, yet they are the ones who are um, facing the brunt of these measures. You know what I mean? It's very sad. Mm -hmm. Unmask your kids. Um, now, like I said before, masks are voluntary. If you don't want to hear this from me, Here's a YouTube channel you can search up, House of Raji, R-A-J-I-E, New Mask Rules for Ontario. Rocco Gladi, we're going to talk about him later on, but he literally talks about the mask rules. Um, but again, Government of Ontario website, face coverings and face masks. 
scroll down to when you don't have to wear a face covering you do not need medical documentation to support any of the exceptions below you don't need medical um, documentation because your medical history is private so think about that when they talk about these vaccine passports um next they talk about children they talk about health accommodations you know the disability act and if you are receiving accommodations from the human rights code now the human rights code that applies to everyone in the same way that a business can't uh, discriminate me from entering because i'm brown they can't discriminate me from entering without a mask on ted uh ted coons from uh vaccine choice canada literally said except exemptions are a psychological medical and creed meaning your belief system um one thing people also need to know is that these businesses that have these signs up if you go read the poster there's a big paragraph at the bottom that literally talks about these exemptions so something to keep in mind um the masks are actually voluntary now one reason they told us to wear a mask was because, oh, we got to reduce the spread, right? Asymptomatic spread is real. Um, so first things first, what is asymptomatic spread, right? Asymptomatic, or what does asymptomatic mean? Asymptomatic means no symptoms. So basically a healthy person. When have you ever heard a healthy person infecting another healthy person? Ne- never in history, right? Um, this can be further proven, of course. Uh, Nature.com, post-lockdown SARS-CoV-2 nucleic acid screening in nearly 10 million residents of Wuhan, China. 9.8 million people were screened they only f- with uh, with no history of covid-19 they found 308 symptomatic positive cases 1174 pe- uh, people were traced from those 308 symptomatic cases close contacts none of them tested positive 34424 people previously recovered from covid-19 and only 107 of them tested positive again next uh, the university of florida published a study on the journal of american medicine called household transmission of SARS-CoV-2 in which they literally found the secondary attack rate for symptomatic index cases was 18% and the rate of asymptomatic and pre-symptomatic index cases was 0.7%. Basically nothing. Uh, the CDC also published something recently with that same figure about school transmissions. Um, now, of course, super, super grateful again that this virus isn't as contagious as we think, right? Mm-hmm. But why is that, right? The BMJ published this. COVID-19, do many people have pre-existing immunity? And they said at least six studies have reported T-cell reactivity against SARS-CoV-2 in 20% to 50% of people with no known exposure to the virus. Now, what are T-cells? T-cells are major components of an adaptive immune system. Their roles include killing infected host cells, activating other immune cells, and producing cytokines. Um, Now, the CDC published something called, in January 2021, called Cellular Immunity in COVID-19, where they literally found 78% of the PCR-positive volunteers with undetectable antibodies showed T-cell immunity against SARS-CoV-2. So we have, we're have literally seeing immunity in places where there wasn't SARS-CoV-2 or where there was SARS-CoV-2. Just stuff to really think about, folks. Um, there was an interview that Sunitra Gupta did on, Professor Sunitra Gupta did on Reaction.life, in which she literally said, um, sorry, the article title is um, we, ha- we may already have herd immunity in which she literally said that not only is it a good thing for young people to go out there and become immune, but it's almost their duty. It's our duty because the only way we can reduce the risk of the vulnerable people in the population is for those of us who are able to acquire herd immunity to do that. She said even if there's a bit of a risk, she's 55 years old, there's a slight risk out there, but she's willing to take that just as she does with the flu because even if, even if um, she might die of the flu, she still wants to take that risk so the flu does not reappear as it did before and kills many, many people. Um, so something to think about really. Um, but of course, why did they tell us, they told us not to go outside, right? One of the reasons was, of course, because hospitals are overwhelmed. 
Are hospitals actually overwhelmed? Um, let's look at the data, of course. Now, one thing I want to mention, of course, is that some hospitals aren't overwhelmed, and um, some places have always been overwhelmed. You can go on Internet Archives, um, and you can find articles. Peel Region has always been overwhelmed. You know, 2012, 2013, always been overwhelmed. Um, some places might be overwhelmed because of the social distancing measures, um, because they can't call back full staff. Um, but one thing is that no one's talking about how they're actually going to lessen the load. Ontario got $7 billion for this pandemic. Why wasn't it used here? Why has Doug Ford got money to spend on pandemic bracelets or tracking bracelets, but he doesn't have money to give to hospitals? Very, very questionable, right? But let's actually look at the data. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a big use of money right there. Yeah. <laughs> they used $2 billion on those bracelets. Those bracelets, yeah. yeah. So I can see, uh, oh, I'm not too close to you. So that, <laughs> don't come close to me or that bracelet's going to start beeping, you know? Yeah, even though it's a good thing to be close to people to achieve herd immunity, but okay. Yeah. Um, but let's look at the data, of course. Um, first things first, April 16, 2020, Ontario Newsroom. Ontario significantly expands hospital capacity to prepare for COVID-19 scenario. They literally added 2,000 acute care beds and critical care beds. Um, Next, I'm going to be referring to that flying blind document because it has something I mentioned that I mentioned before. Um, 32, Ontario has 32,283 hospital beds total. ICU beds, 1,751. Now, we have to go on the Government of Ontario website, COVID-19 Daily Epidemiological Summaries. We're going to go to the most recent one. Today is March 24th, 2021. Um, so they hospitalizations based on cases so a number you guys have to remember here apparently the amount of cases we had today was 2380 okay and of course i want to let people know that the number resolved is 1329 just because you know they won't put that on a mass media site okay so 2380 remember that number so you go down to you know icu and it literally says ever in icu 2932 ever hospitalized 16,541. Now, I just told you that we only have 1,700 ICU beds. So where did that number come from, right? 2,000, that's well, that's crazy. Um, if you go down to the footnotes, you realize it says something important. Hospitalization includes cases that have been discharged from the hospital as well as cases that are currently hospitalized. ICU is a subset count of hospitalized cases. It includes cases that have been treated or are currently being treated in the ICU. So this is the cumulative case count. They're not actually on this epidemiological summaries. They're not giving you the actual amount of people in the hospital. Now, one way to calculate that is right next to this bar. It says something about percentage of all cases. So it literally says ever hospitalized, ever uh, percentage of all cases is 4.9%. So we had, that was 2,380 cases today. Multiply that by 0.049. That's about 117 people in the hospital right now. So I know that's just from their data, right? So 32,000 hospital beds in total in Ontario, 117 people in the hospitals. Is that our hospital is actually overwhelmed? Wow. Yeah. And of course, I follow some people on Twitter. They put some reliable information out there. And I think the number is actually about like 250, including other stuff as well. Um, but again, something to just ask yourself, like, are we really overwhelmed? Um, now, of course, there's a bunch of videos you can go watch on Instagram and Facebook. They get taken down. Sometimes they stay up there. But I'm just going to lead you to a few. Rebelnews.com. CBC says this Manitoba hospital is overwhelmed by COVID. Is it really? There's a video. Uh, Bitchu.com. Visiting five Ontario hospitals in one day by Chris McKee. Uh, you can go watch those videos yourself and judge for yourself. <laughs> yeah, have a good laugh. <laughs> hospitals are overwhelmed. Um, now, so basically, I'm telling you everything about this thing is questionable. So... Why wouldn't the vaccine be questionable? So let's talk about the vaccine. First thing I want to say is on our Instagram page, 
at eat here 416 um we literally published a vaccine highlight we're not asking anyone to follow we literally published a vaccine highlight before this vaccine was released i think the sunday and the vaccine was supposed to release on the tuesday i recommend people go check out that highlight because all the videos and all the um posts i made are still up they didn't get taken down um which is great because people could go watch what i what we found before this vaccine was released right and then you can go look into it and see and now of course if you don't have instagram i'm gonna give you enough information so then you can go look this stuff up yourself but first things first we talked about herd immunity we talked about t-cells so now i want people to understand that the vaccine and the pharmaceutical drugs have only been around for what 100 to 150 years so when these people say that herd immunity is impossible how do they think our ancestors survived through the stuff happening in the past they literally built their immune system they literally um built immunity by strengthening their immune system so, the, so now these people are saying that we're going to need vaccine top-ups a few every year. Why? we got a virus with a 99.95 survival rate and a vaccine that doesn't stop transmission. You know what I mean? And I mentioned the PCR test, stress, uh, test threshold and how it can be altered in the beginning. So don't be surprised when a lot of people start getting vaccinated, these cases start going down. They can literally set that themselves. Um, one thing that people don't know about the vaccine industry, there is no compensation they are not held liable for anything and they've already made their money from this like you know what i mean if you if you get injured from this vaccine you, there is no compensation canada is the only g7 nation excluding quebec that, that does not have a compensation program in the u.s where there is an actual compensation program 4.1 billion dollars as of november 2020 has been paid out to vaccine injuries and of course since this is an emergency use vaccine it's going to be even harder to get compensation and um, one thing I think a lot of people don't know either is insurance companies. Your life insurance company, if you call them up um, and you ask them, hey, if I pass away from this vaccine, am I covered? They're going to tell you no. because <laughs> Their policy doesn't state that, yeah, you know, COVID's covered. So. Yeah, and also because the vaccine is still in trials. So you're basically an experiment. You know what I mean? Like a guinea pig. Um, basically. <laughs> so one thing I just want to mention, um, one thing that people don't know is the ingredients in vaccines. So I have this Telegram group chat. Um, this lady put together. She called poison control, and she lists. She finally got someone who knew what he was talking about. She listed out a bunch of um, ingredients to him, and he said, "Okay, so these are all toxic to humans. They're using fertilizers, pesticides to to stop the heart, to preserve a dead body, so on and so forth." And he said, "Why?" She said, "If I was to deliberately give this to my child on a scheduled basis, what would happen to me?" He said, you'd, you'd be charged with criminal negligence, intent to kill, child abuse, and your child would be taken away from you. He said, do you know someone who's doing this? She said, I know a whole industry. This is the vaccine industry. We literally have ingredients like formaldehyde, a highly toxic systematic poison and carcinogen, aluminum hydroxide, neurotoxin, case risk for long-term brain inflation, and at least Alzheimer's, thermocell, which is a neurotoxin, um, fetal bovine serum, African green monkey kidney cells, acetone, which can cause kidney, liver and nerve damage, E. coli, so on and so forth. Like you can just keep going on and on. Um, now, of course, if you want to look more into this, I have a list of 45 plus doctors here. Here's the top five, Dr. Nancy Banks, Dr. Russell Blaylock, Dr. Shiv Chopra, Dr. Sherry J. Tenpenny, and Dr. Susan Humphreys. Now, I have a list of 13 plus documentaries, uh, Vaxxed 1 plus 2, Vaccination the Silent Epidemic, The Greater Good, Shots in the Dark, Vaccination the Hidden Truth, Books, Dare to Question Handbook, um, Vaccine Safety Manual by Neil Z. Miller, uh, Dissolving Illusions by Susan Humphreys, 
vaccine illusion by Tatiana Bunquin. Hopefully I said her last name right. And saying no to vaccines by Dr. Sherry J. Tenpenny. Now, this current vaccine. Very, if, then just we gotta ask yourself, like, if other vaccines have had this type of stuff in them, then what's, what about this one, right? So this was published on the Everly Report, what you need to know about the COVID vaccine. Um, we, they covered the ingredients, effectiveness, how it was evaluated, uh, safety, and they have a bunch of adverse effects reported as well, including deaths. Um, now, their claim was 95% effective. I hope people realize which manufacturer I'm talking about. But that was not based on 43, the 43,548 trial participants. It was only based on 170 participants. This is straight from their um, vaccine insert. We vaccinated everyone within two months. In the first seven days, 170 people developed symptoms and tested positive for SARS-CoV-2. 162 of them were in the placebo and eight were in the vaccine group. So that is where your 95% effective claim rate comes from, not from 42,000 people. Um, now deaths, which aren't being reported and a lot of people aren't seeing, literally on the New York Post, 23 die in Norway after receiving Pfizer COVID vaccine. We're talking 75 year old man dies of heart attack shortly after receiving vaccine. Portuguese health worker dies two days after receiving vaccine. Healthcare worker dies after second dose. Defender by Robert F. Kennedy Jr. has an article called Death by Coincidence. I recommend people read that as well. And Mercola.com, Pfizer bullies nations to put up collateral for lawsuits. Pfizer is demanding countries put up sovereign assets, including bank reserves, military bases, and embassy buildings as collateral for expected vaccine injury lawsuits. So these people are already saying, hey, we're going to get sued. We want you to put up collateral. Like, and I mean... If you go on the VAERS, which is the Vaccine Adverse Reporting Event System, um, not a lot of people know about this site, and of course, so that we won't have all the reports, of course. But as of March 12th, 38,444 reports have been reported, 1,700 deaths, 5,800 office visits, 3,900 hospitalizations, 324 cases of anaphylaxis, 69 miscarriages, 386 heart attacks, 2,248 severe allergic reactions, we're talking people got Bell's palsy, um, chronic seizures, stroke, blindness, um, paralysis, psychological effects like mood changes, um, a lot of a lot of questionable stuff. Um, a few videos you can go watch to educate yourself on this current vaccine. Um, Bitchu.com, Vaccine Choice Canada, watch this before you get vaccinated. MP-22.com, the truth behind the vaccine trials and. Children's Health Defense, again, the COVID vaccine on trial, if only you knew, 12 experts, two hours long, very informative. I recommend people go check that out. Um, but the one thing I really want to let people know is that this vaccine is not mandatory. Um, they cannot make it mandatory because one, they require your consent, and two, although it's questionable, we live in a free country. Learn your rights, draw the line. Um, if you were to go out there and actually talk to people, you realize, hey, a lot of people feel this way and they actually don't want to get this vaccine. They understand the survival rate and all this other stuff. You know what I mean? The more people that get together and learn this stuff, the more we can fight against these restrictions, right? They can't put those restrictions on you if no one gets vaccinated. Um, but just, you know, um, just I just want to say make make informed decisions, right? Don't don't just do something just because, oh, everybody else is doing it or out of haste or, you know, because this is literally where life, your life we're talking about. Um, now, 
I said all this stuff, everything is questionable, right? So what's what's really going on, right? Like what's what's actually happening? A lot of people are probably wondering, like, okay, so why are we still in this mess? And this is where I gotta talk about 5G and the Great Reset. A lot of people know about 5G, um, um, but of course, if you don't, I recommend you watch Generations Apt, 5G Apocalypse by New Earth Project, Take Back Your Power.net, which is a YouTube documentary, a book, drmccola.com, How to Avoid Being EMF'd, sites to check out, 5gexposed.com, 5gmediawatch.com, weareetheevidence.org. When you watch these documentaries and you start learning more, you'll realize something as simple as our cell phone and wireless headphones are hurting us. We like to think that just because um, these products are on the market, they're tested for safety, not as much as you think. Even these cell towers other than 5G, smart meters and Wi-Fi cause fertility issues, cancers and electromagnetic sensitivity. Um, for smart cities and self-driving cars to fully work, these towers must be everywhere and even smaller antennas and transmitters have to be everywhere, right? Like in a tree or that mailbox you see as a transmitter. Plus, Elon Musk and his SpaceX program wants to put up 42,000 satellites, 42,000 satellites in low orbit, which is going to basically blanket the Earth with 5G. But like I said, something as simple as a cell phone is hurting us. And some of us adapted, but you can never adapt to radiation. So these signals, towers, and satellites being everywhere are just going to make it even harder for us to reduce the exposure. We're going to be living in a big microwave. Um, and literally, these towers, they put them up while we were all in lockdown. You know, no public debate, no public concern whatsoever. Um, now, there's ways to reduce you know, stuff like radiation, like, you know, more wired connections, use power adapters that connect to your router and then to your laptop, turn your Wi-Fi off, put your phone in airplane mode. Um, don't put your phone in your pocket. And for women, don't put your phone in your bra. Those are measures to prevent stuff. But 5G, we really got to look into it and fight against it. Um, I said something about smart cities there. And this is where I got to go into the Great Reset. The official website is wetheforum.org slash forward slash great reset. This isn't me or the people saying it. These globalists are the ones that are saying it and they're putting it on their website. It's not a conspiracy theory when it's right in front of your face. Klaus Schwab, the WE boss, published a book called Fourth Industrial Revolution, where he literally says the most powerful forces in the world are lining up to use the COVID-19 crisis as a pretext for introducing a new climate change focused one world economy, stripping property rights and democratic rights. They also have an article called The Lockdowns, World's Biggest Psychological Experiment. Now, what is The Great Reset? The Great Reset is a part of Agenda 21, which is on the UN's website. It's a globalist plan to take over everything, humans, food, the natural world. Um, literally, the farmers protesting in India for the rights right now is Codex Alimentarius, which is on the WHO's website, control the world's food supply. Um, they want to take advantage of this Corona situation with the Great Reset, they want to get rid of the middle class by getting rid of all these small businesses, right? Make people dependent on government handouts and powerful corporations. A total totalitarian rule, but it's a deception because they're going to scare people through this virus and then make you take away your rights, right? The more control the government has, the more power they have. And what people should know is that we tell the government what to do, the government does not tell us what to do, right? In a democratic, true democratic nation. Exactly. Don't forget that they work for you. You're the one that actually put them in office. Yep, something I think a lot of people forget. Um, now, next, I want to refer everyone to a article that was published on Karen News, C-A-I-R-N-S News. Canadian politician leaks new COVID-19 lockdown plan and Great Reset dictatorship. And literally has everything um, about these curfews, new um, mutation um, restrictions, all the way up to like quarter three of 2021. I recommend people go check it out. A lot of people thought it was fake at first, but most of it's been coming true. Look into it, look at their plan. 
you, once you know their plan, you can fight against your plan and not be a part of it, of course. Now, of course, a lot of people are going to say, oh, no, nah, man, you're wrong. Like, you know what I mean? We're, 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 we're reopening up soon. Um, and this is where I got to... <laughs> This is where I got to ask people, where in reopening Ontario or any reopening act, uh, does it state anything about an actual reopening? It's limitations, restrictions, and lockdowns. You know what I mean? So something to just really, you know, keep in mind. Um, and now this is where I got to get into the probably the best part of the podcast, which is the good people fighting the good fight and solutions that you things that you can do. Um, there's a lot of people fighting um, against this stuff, right? I'm not going to be able to list them all, but one thing you're going to realize is when you start looking into these people, they're like a tree and there's branches and they, you know, they, they go off and you can find even more people, right? So first things first, Randy Hillier, check him out on newmorelockdowns.ca and Liberty Coalition, which is a group coming together to end the lockdowns caucus. Um, it also includes professionals like doctors, nurses, and um, lawyers. Um, he's probably the only politician that I'm going to, you know, list on here, even though there are other ones. He's the only one I trust, I'm going to say, because he's been fighting it, um, fighting against these measures straight from the beginning. Um, next, Rocco Galati. I recommend people go check out his website, constitutionalrightcenter.ca, and his YouTube channel under the same name. Go check out his statement of claim, because he right now he is suing Justin Trudeau, Teresa Tam, John Tory, Doug Ford, and the CBC for these COVID measures. Um, read his statement of claim learn what's going on because he, he listed out really well and of course he tells you about your rights um hugs over masks the land canada two groups that are protesting against these uh measures um they've been protesting since april of 2020 they're the ones who are part of that you know protesting group in toronto during the weekends um next is uh police on guard for thee which is a, a bunch of cops retired and current coming together to ask the courts hey should we be holding up the constitution or these bylaws so spain uh vienna austria uh, all the police came together there and they said uh with the protesters and they said no more we're, we're done with these lockdowns yeah i remember seeing that in a documentary I remember, you know um this is against lockdowns just an obvious one canadian frontline nurses and global frontline nurses nurses that are coming together and speaking against these measures um these are some alternative media sites to check out. 369media.com. I recommend you check out their notice of liability. A call to end the declarations of emergency in Canada. Three notices that they want you to send out to the governor generals of the provinces and territories um, to literally ask them for evidence of why we're in these lockdowns and where, where the evidence is, right? Hold them accountable. If they got, provide anything, then you're going to hold them liable. And I think this might lead to, you know, future lawsuits. Um, Next is Wholehearted Media, a site with great videos, and they continue and they're continuing posting right now. Um, and they also have a YouTube channel under the same name, Bright Light News, same thing. Rebel News, I think a lot of people know this site. They have something called Fight the Fines and Unmasked.ca, helping people, you know, uh, um, submit human rights complaints against their mask exemptions, of course. Um, Rise Up Canada, an Instagram page I recommend people go check out. That's very important. Some um, posting some very important videos. Um, next, World Freedom Alliance and World's Doctors Alliance. This is a group that came together during this scenario. And this is the one good thing about that happened in this scenario, that a lot of people came together that may have not been able to come together before. So these people are fighting against this globalist plan, the current and, of course, all the future ones. Um, and um, they have started something called Freedom Airways. Um, if you're someone who wants to travel without a mask, 
a PCR test or vaccine, check out that airline site. It just got started, but hey, you know what? Something to keep in mind for the future. And of course, they're going to continue fighting the good fight for all these globalist agenda plans. Um, Oracle Films on BrandNewTube.com. That's their media site where they have two documentaries called uh, The New Normal Documentary and uh, Wake Up Call, which is um, stuff I think people should go check out. Uh, News Voice, a YouTube channel, published something called Dr. Rainer Fuller Mitch Warns for Crimes Against Humanity. Um, Dr. Rainer Fuller Mitch is literally suing the WHO and the CDC equivalent in Germany right now for crimes against humanity. Nuremberg 2.0 is going on right now. If you don't know what the original Nuremberg trials were, I recommend you pick up a history book. Go learn about it. Go learn about the Nuremberg Code and learn about what happened after that. Of course, during the events of World War II. Um, next is Dr. Wolfgang Warderg. Hopefully I said his last name right. Um, he and Dr. Yeadon are coming together for a coronavirus vaccine safety petition for the immediate suspension of all SARS-CoV-2 vaccine studies due to the safety issues. A lot, this was published on dryberg.com. A lot of people don't know about Dr. Warderg, but he, it was because of him that the swine flu vaccine was not administered to a lot of kids, which actually ended up hurting about 700 kids in Europe and gave them permanent narcolepsy. But he was one of those people who fought against it and he's fighting against this current one as well. Thank you to him. I have a list of 90 plus doctors and I listed a few of them here, but here's just a few more. Dr. Rashid Bhattar, Dr. Ben Tapper, Dr. Stephen Malthouse, Dr. Andrew Kaufman, Dr. Stephen Baker, um, next, businesses. Uh, WeAreEssential.ca is a site you can go check out. On February 11th, a bunch of businesses came together and said, we're opening up. We are not going along with these restrictions. And of course, these are all non-essential businesses. And they opened up and they're still open. So if you want to go support them, go check them out. And this is a great source for businesses to check out who want to open up and learn their rights. Um, on April 1st, they're actually going to open up a thousand more businesses. So that's something to go look out for. And um, it's really good on for what those businesses are doing. That's just like in Italy, 50,000 restaurants open up all together. So they want to end up end the lockdown down. Yep. And they came together and they said, hey, no more. We're not, we're not standing for this. Um, at Stand for Thee, an IG page to go check out for businesses that literally is giving businesses their rights, you know, letting them know, hey, how they can open up. Uh, next, discriminationfreeshopping.com. I literally just told people that masks are voluntary and they're ineffective. So here's a site you can go check out to learn which stores support mask exemptions and which ones do not. Even though they all should be, some of them of course do not. Um, but check this site out, um, build your confidence up, right? To know, right? Cause you know, you're gonna walk in and they're hundred percent gonna accept your mask exemption. So something to go check out. Um, next, the Great Barrington Declaration. I think a lot of people know about this site. In effect, uh, infectious disease epidemiologists and public health scientists are coming together to call uh, for something called focus protection. America's frontline doctors who are literally petitioning to end the forced uh, experimental COVID vaccine. Uh, StandUpCanada.Solutions, a site that has a lot of great information about COVID, your rights, legal solutions, and lawsuits. TheHighWire.com, Dell Big Tree just posted, puts together a lot of great videos. I recommend you check out episode 206, which is about this vaccine. JustWatchMeTravel.com, Chris Guy and a few of his buddies are building a legal challenge to challenge um, these travel restrictions and finally parents for mastery education.com literally like the site suggests you know a site to help you unmask your kids in school now those are the people who are fighting against this stuff and again like i said you'll find more but there there's of course stuff that we have to do as individuals to fight against this right because the smaller actions are eventually going to lead to bigger actions being done 
So here's some stuff that you can do. Do your own research, of course. Use DuckDuckGo. We can send you this document. Know what's going on. Know what's happening. If you're still listening, hey, you're doing a great job already. Um, next, know your rights. It's really important to know your rights because you know you got to know how bad it is right now that they're really quickly being taken away, especially since it was so hard to fight for them initially in the first place. Um, this is something I used to do in the beginning, but I just don't have trust in these people. Email, call your MP, MPP, and Premier. If you still have trust in them, hey, tell them to join the, the Lockdowns Caucus. Um, next, talk to family and friends who have those awkward conversations. We gotta let more people know about this. Don't get angry at the people who don't know. Make them question these measures, right? Um, you can literally collect this research and also send it to your workplace and other corporations. Um, of course, like I said, the vaccine is not mandatory. So get your life back to normal as much as you can. Go outside, get the sun, open up your windows, let the house air out, get some fresh air. Speaking of fresh air, don't wear a mask. Literally told you it is voluntary. Italy ma banned masks at schools. And Austria literally said that masking children is unconstitutional. Stop getting tested. That's an obvious one. If you download the COVID tracking app, delete. Because you know what? They're literally tracking you with that. Um, take care of your body and immune system. Exercise, eat good food. Like If you're someone who followed these measures to the T, you have suppressed your immune system for over a year. So you really got to look into this and you know start taking care of it the right way. Uh, next is civil disobedience, which is the refusal to obey laws that are moral or unjust. Something that is needed right now, of course. Uh, stop watching mainstream media. Obvious one, right? Because you know what? They're just continuing the fear mongering. Support local everywhere. Local farmers, local businesses, local uh, media. You know, if these private and big corporations take over, we're going to really see a lot of problems. You know what I mean? Um, and of course, use cash when you can. There's a lot of talk about alternative currencies and gold and silver, of course. I feel like until most people are not educated on these matters, we should keep cash as much as we can, right? And, uh, you know, say no to their digital currency, of course. And finally, get organized because how are revolutions planned? The revolutions are planned when people get together, right? Can't get together if you're social distancing. Um, so get organized, talk to other people, you know, volunteer at some of these places if you want. Um, and we have to inspire some people to step up right now as well because firefighters, police officers, naturopaths, chiropractors, nurses, of course, um, they're all literally being silenced right now. They're all being told that, hey, if, if you're not um, abiding by the rules and if, and if you spill the beans on what's going on, we're going to fire you. So people are literally acting in fear, acting out of fear right now. So what is fear? Fear says false evidence appearing real. Jason Kristoff in a roundtable with Rocco Bellotti said, when we are in a fear, our prefrontal cortex, which is the best version of us, shuts off and the limbic system comes on, which is your flight or fight response. In this state, we are in sort of a lower IQ and we are more obedient. So let go of fear, embrace the facts, because you know what? Facts over fear. Exactly. Well said. Um, and this is, now I just want to end it off by saying, this is from a sicky point of view, but I think anybody can really you know, apply this to their life. But right now we're living in Kaljug, which is the age of darkness or spiritual ignorance. The world isn't messed up. Stuff is just being exposed. Hukum number 23 of Guru Gobind Singh Ji is Mata Uchi Te Suchi Rakhani, meaning keep your intellect high and pure. One way to do that is Chadli Kalao, which is a rising state of awareness, right? We, um, some people call it a high state of optimis optimism, positivity. And of course, we are high-spirited people. Now, of course, Jadvikala is easy to say, but it can only be achieved through constant praying meditation. Nam Japo. Focus on the Guru's words, the Creator's words. Realize that everything is within Hukam or God's command. Realize that this life is an illusion and there's bigger reasons why we're all here. One of those reasons is to connect back to God. And then, of course, we have our secondary reasons. Um, 
there is a such thing as free will, right? Like we decided to do this podcast today. Um, you decided to get out of your bed and brush your teeth. I decided to pray back in April and ask God for the truth. I received God's command and I never have been li- and I haven't been lied to since. So this is what I ask. I ask the people to ask the Creator for your command, your order. Do an adas or a humble plea. All your answers, of course, can be found within. And then whatever the answer is, then remember to remain in Chad Dikala. Uh, we apologize for any mistakes we made while saying any of these things. Thank you for listening and uh, God bless.